Thanks for joining us for another intriguing edition of the Stack Pack. Perhaps you can help solve a mystery. Welcome to our podcast. Um, it's the Stack Pack. We already said that. Uh, how's it going? This week we're covering Season 3, Episode 12. <laughs> I know what we're doing. It's going good. We're, uh, we're almost to Halloween. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I wonder one day if there'll be a day where a Halloween uh, episode lines up with actual Halloween. Probably never, but we can only dream. Um, we we got kind of close to that Christmas one, didn't we? Or did we do Christmas in July last time? I think we, yeah, did, we did Christmas in July. That only worked because it's the total opposite, and that's a thing. Um, <laughs> so what's up? I'm David Howell, as always, and I'm joined by Road Dan sitting across from me, Home Dan. What's up, dude? Not much. Just hanging out, enjoying home for a little bit. I knew that yeah. because we've been hanging out all day. Um, what's yeah. up, Eli? How are you? Say hi to the audience in Dallas. What's up? Hello, everybody. But I was pleasantly surprised. <laughs> I didn't know Dan was going to be in El Paso. I called him earlier, and um, we're chatting it up, and I was like, hey, where are you? He's like, I'm home. I was like, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I sneak into town like uh, that. Yeah. It's kind of nice. You know, just pop in one day. No one knows. Well, he no leaves tomorrow. Knows. Yeah. So, <laughs> how, how, how long how long were you in town for? Three days, just a weekday. Hey, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to start uh, traveling pretty soon. You're gonna have to show me the ropes. What road to do, Eli. what not to do. I'm gonna mm. be road Eli. <laughs> that doesn't road have Eli? quite the the ring to road it. Eli? Mm, it doesn't work. Yeah. Doesn't work. <laughs> Atlas Elias. Boom. <laughs> there we go. I'm on fire, like guys. It. All right, let's start like talking it. about murder and shit. Uh, <laughs> so this case, this episode, we got fun stuff. Well, our young uh, listeners are like, part. what's what, what's an atlas? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess I was thinking of like Atlas Brown, but that doesn't work. Atlas Dominguez. Whatever. It's where, where in the world is Elias Dominguez? Elias Dominguez. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it you works really because to, it's still you really it's, had it's to like a dig for that. Well, it's kind of it, it is like a Hispanic <laughs> name, so you can kind of do you know. Where yeah. in the world is Eli Dominguez? I don't. I think the, there you go. There you the, go. The, the is is too much. Yeah. The Elias. It sounds too biblical, too. Hey, you know and, our young, and our young listeners are like, who's Carmen San Diego? Yeah. Oh, well, they're, they're doing a thing. That, um, they'll right. know in a couple years. Hey. Because 12-year-olds <laughs> listen to us, right? Who's that? What are these old guys talking about? Why am I listening to a podcast about a show from the 80s? All right, let's talk about voodoo murder and shit. Okay. Um, this first case is an unexplained death. And um, it happens in our ver- in America's very own Virgin Islands, uh, the island of St. Croix, popular vacation spot. Uh, you know, it's technically – it's in the Caribbean, right? Technically, yeah. but it's an American providence, right? Is that what they call Settlement? it? Settlement, sure. It looked gorgeous from, uh, from the low-definition mm. footage that was yeah, uh, from shown. Yeah, that, from that SD standard def. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Um, so popular vacation spot, millions visit, and this was in 1991. Um, so November 18th of 1988, we get some mysterious shit happening, folks. Um, it's after a little bit after 9:30, and the cops uh, respond to a traffic thing. There's a woman in a car uh, laying there dead, kind of pulled off to the side of the road in the car. Um, doesn't seem to be any struggle. She just seems to be laying there, just dead, like no. Uh, I thought she was like clinging to life. Oh yeah, she was barely alive when they yeah. found her. And interesting fact is that she was covered in like seaweed. What? Seawater. She they was drenched she... in seawater. Yeah, 
I thought she had I thought she had like seaweed like all over her. I was like that that's weird. Saturated <laughs> in seawater is what is the words they use. And uh, this was a local woman and Was she thoroughly saturated? She was thoroughly saturated in seawater. She was dead. And she was no, a local woman clinging to life. Oh she's god damn it. She was clinging to life. Spoiler alert, she's going to die real soon, folks. Oh boy. Um, so she's a local woman. Her name is her name is Rad, Radha Maharaj. Radha yeah, yeah. Maharaj. And she um, was clinging onto life, and she died en route to the hospital. Now, less than sixteen miles away from this very scene, her husband was found. His name was Krishnadath Maharaj, and he was also dead. He wasn't wearing uh, a shirt, and his shorts were also saturated in seawater. Definitely weird. Doesn't really happen a lot. So three clues that were pretty weird were, of course, one, the seawater. Two, they had $25,000 in cash that was missing. And they were both killed from the same substance, which was not the seawater, kids. It was... The other sea? Cyanide. Yeah. I have a name for this guy. I wanna, I wanna, I'll give it to him later, though, when we talk about the others. Ooh, you're going to coin, you got to... Oh, I'm coining a name for this one. Yeah. Good, okay. <laughs> Seaside Killer? Better, better. Seaside Serpent? No, Let's better. just, no, no, I don't want to guess. I don't, we'll get there, yeah, I, okay. <laughs> so, let's just say that over the years from when this happened in 88, um, since 1984, there had been, these two had made five people dying from cyanide. Um, and that's a little weird, it's poison. In uh, um, on the island of La of La Croix, La Croix. I was actually of La Croix. I love drinking La Croix seltzer water. I drink it with tequila all the time. Oh, it's so great with vodka. <laughs> um, on the island of Saint Croix, five people had died from cyanide since 1984. They died of cyanide, you say? Hey, is that part of the La Croix uh, class action lawsuit that's going on right now? He, actually, funny you say that. No, <laughs> no, not at all. No, um, <laughs> and let's just say that these cases got linked to a little bit of that hoodoo voodoo, if you know what I'm saying. Which is complete bullshit. Um, these people were probably uh, just uh, totally scammed, and they were gullible and had access to money. But let's get into it. Yeah, I mean, you said they they twenty five thousand dollars were was missing. Yeah, they they had twenty five thousand dollars in cash, and that was gone. And this was in um, the mid eighties, right? The yeah. the daughters knew the daughters knew that uh, they had that money in cash. They they, hmm. they borrowed it from relatives. Oh, I was wondering. I was like, where'd they get that cash from? Is it like? That's oh yeah, they like always walked day through. money. Like even by today's standards, twenty five thousand in like cold hard cash is like. What did Dan call it? His walking around money. Walking around money. Yeah, that. You mean to tell me you guys don't uh, carry $25,000 in cash with you in your wallets at all times? Just in case? Immediately, these murders were linked to voodoo. And, um, of course, everybody thinks voodoo is like voodoo dolls and like all this creepy witchcraft. In reality, voodoo is just a mix of normal Roman Catholicism with like African traditions, yeah. which is where you get like, you know, tribal dances, which might look like weird and scary if you like add, you know, James Bond movie where they're like, having a snake bite somebody and everyone's dancing around them and you know and, and voodoo dolls from other movies but really it's just like 
regular like it's Christianity. It's Catholicism mixed with traditional African stuff. Yeah. And we were actually in New Orleans, Dan and I, and we had the pleasure of going on a cool cemetery tour where we learned about Marie Laveau and the misconceptions in voodoo and stuff. And yeah, like people think they called it they called Marie Laveau the voodoo queen, but she was straight up like yeah, she believed in God. She was a devout Catholic. Yeah. She went to church every day. <laughs> it's really not like a it ain't it ain't all spooky. It ain't all like putting pins in dolls. They actually said that the whole voodoo doll thing. Yeah. Not a lot of these people were were um literate. So they what they did is they had these dolls for that would represent their different patients and they would put the pins in like different areas of their body that they would try to heal. So Whoa. they would come back and they would remember. It was like a record keeping system. You, you know the term, you know, <laughs> it, it is and like they turned know, it like into when you're something else. Not well, sinister at a, all. For example, there's a term put a pin in it. Like, you know, you're going to put a pin in like set it off to the side. Yeah. That comes from like the whole voodoo doll concept. Like you're putting a pin in that subject to remind you, like, oh, you know, last time Gary was here at the at my clinic, I worked on his shoulder. That's why there's a pin in his shoulder. Oh, that's yeah, yeah. It's putting a pin, like you know, you're you're pinning it on a board. Yeah, pinning it pinning on a board. It, or pinning it on like a voodoo doll. I'll put a pin on it, like yeah, and then we'll connect them, like you know, at a cre- crazy. Uh, bulletin board with yarn that makes much more sense i learned that from a lore episode <laughs> lore great podcast <laughs> and tv show actually I, i'm not sure where i learned that from but i'm pretty sure it was probably from that maybe i don't know and i'm aaron Mankey. <laughs> so the catholics mix in oh yeah, yeah so i was gonna say because that's logical um cops come show up uh these two are dead covered in seawater it's got to be voodoo right yeah. So so Obia was like a scarier like version of voodoo which I guess was not real but it was like ritual magic or whatever. And so what they what we're we're thinking of some sort of con man that practiced Obia um was trying to tell these people conning them into giving them money and somehow like poisoning them. <laughs> um speaking of now that I'm thinking about this wasn't something like this kind of uh the type of people that they met on uh, Weekend at Bernie's, too. <laughs> so the Maharajas were both born in the Caribbean, but their parents had migrated from India, and they ran a grocery store. And they had three daughters. Um, she had three daughters from their from his from. She had three daughters from her first marriage, and they helped run the store. And we a lot of the story is told by one of their daughters, and um, she said that before they died, they were fighting over money. And um, they didn't like talking about financials with the kids and stuff. You know, they kind of just said, we'll work it out or whatever. And the daughter would say that a mystery man would call a lot and talk about uh, and has to talk to the stepfather. So apparently got to the point where, like I think we said earlier, where he borrowed $25,000 from his relatives because he said that he wanted to, like, expand their grocery store. So he borrowed this money from relatives, and and the daughter thought that like I don't know how to explain this. So like I guess in the reenactment, she's talk he's talking on the phone to this mysterious man, and he's like, "I have the twenty five thousand dollars." The daughter didn't know exactly what was going on, but she kind of assumed that like it was some sort of like um, this guy was like promising to like double or triple the money if he brought if he had brought the money to this mysterious man, and that's just her guessing, but it sounds kind of specific. I don't know. 
when the daughter would ask any questions about this money or whatever and what they were going to do with it, um, they said, like, oh, you'll know by Monday. You'll know very soon. And so 7.30 on Friday night, November 18th, this is two hours before they were found dead, Radha left, and she drove east. Yeah. The daughter also mentions that it was kind of weird that she left by herself, right? Oh, it was weird that she left by herself, and even weirder that it was at night. Yeah, because she's like, I never left by myself anywhere, and it was very odd for her to do that. It was out of character for her. Yeah, she, definitely. she never went anywhere at night by herself. And then 30 minutes after, Krishnahadath drove in the opposite drove away in the opposite direction. And um possibly to meet this man, maybe with the money, who knows. Um so basically I guess everybody thinks that uh, they were duped, promised more money if they brought the 25,000, but nobody really really knows. Um, two hours later, Radha's car coasted gently out of control off to the side of the road, and that's when her body was found. And they could see no foul play except for her guts were full of cyanide. Yeah. And her uh, her yes. guts were full of cyanide, and her clothes were full of seaweed, seaweed water. Yeah, she got them seaweed clothes, <laughs> which is uh, probably the biggest mystery of this thing. It's weird. She went uh, on a swim? baptized i don't know i don't know that's weird something i'm thinking like something with this ritual that he might have said that like they would they would like went to the beach and like drank the potion or whatever they thought it was and then they went to their cars and died i don't know but 16 miles away they find krishnadath krishnadath and he's wearing only shorts and he's covered in seawater (laughs) krishna not gonna stay alive too long anyway (laughs) Krishna, not to, yeah, oh, poor, poor guy, poor Golbo guy. I don't know. So, like, yeah, he's found, like we said, in his truck wearing seaweed, seaweed, sea, seaweed saturated water, clothes, seaweed, sea, water saturated. I don't know why I keep saying seaweed because I put that in your head, I think. Yeah, <laughs> seawater saturated shorts. God, that's a tongue twister. <laughs> Say seawater saturated shorts 12 times. Seawater saturated shorts. Yeah, there you go. Seawater saturated shorts. Seawater saturated shorts. Seawater saturated shorts. Seawater saturated shorts. Fuck. Yeah, that's a pretty hard one. That's harder than saying six sailor sailors. Oh, fuck, I can't even do that one anymore. Sally sells seashells down by the seashore. A big black bug, a big black bear. Um, So <laughs> he was dead. And um, <laughs> police believe that. She tried to kill herself, which is weird. And, um, like, he went off in the opposite direction and killed himself, too. Very weird. Um, so the autopsies immediately revealed cyanide, like we said before. We kind of um, jumped the gun on that one. But um, that's when the cops of St. Croix started, you know, getting a little <laughs> suspicious. Hey, wasn't there like a couple two years earlier who died from very similar circumstances? Um, and now we're going to talk about these guys. Edstel Stryden and his wife Carmen. And uh, they were, they owned a bar. And they actually wanted to take out a loan to expand their bar. And Everybody, all these people wanting to take out loans to expand their businesses, man. All of and them. That's what makes you think, like, is Gr- was, this, was this voodoo murderer... Some like some fucking loan guy, loan shark, loan or like shark? some guy, who, some guy who worked at like a a bank, a bank or something. It is weird. Uh, so they these guys wanted to 
expand their business. And basically, they took out this loan and they converted it into cash. And Edstall and Carmen took off on in September of 1986 to like go give this money to somewhere. I don't know. The daughter said that when they left, the father even put a small like bottle into his pocket, mm-hmm. like just inexplicably slid it in there. Uh, it's so weird. And then three hours later, Carmen dead. was found near dead again, just like the first one. Hmm, that is weird. She was found pretty close to where the other lady was found, too, like same area. And as well as both as being found near dead in the same area. They both died on their way to the hospital, and they were both also drenched in seawater. Um, they found Edstall in his truck with shorts, soaked shorts. Yeah, near they, the beach. Yeah, they they mentioned <laughs> that this guy, his shorts were wet, not like his entire clothes. But also, you know what I think is weird. I don't know if this is true or not, but in the reenactment, uh. The the guy was found with no shirt and just shorts on. Yeah, yeah. Well, th- I know that's how um, Krishnadath was. I don't know about this guy. Yeah. They, they do say that this guy's shorts were wet. They don't say that he – they don't mention – Yeah, the reenactment of this guy, he had a shirt on, but I don't know how accurate these things are. So um, – and also the topper is that these guys had gotten together a loan of about $54,000 – and they and that's the loan they'd made into cash, and of course all that money was gone. Fifty four thousand dollars. That's odd. They were never able to solve that one. And then in nineteen eighty four, a couple of years before this, now we're four years before the first couple we were talking about. There was a one single man who died of a cyanide poisoning or a cyanide death, really, because it seems like these guys might have. Uh, yeah, they the drink it themselves. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Gonna drink this potion and find the gold. Yeah. So oh. the cyanide. So this guy's name was Haig Caesar, not to be mistaken with Sid Haig, or or Hail Caesar, <laughs> or the film by the Coen Brothers, Hail Caesar. He was a guy who had um, immigrated from Dominica, and um, apparently he had been involved in obia and or some twisted sort of voodoo. And we actually hear from his wife. His wife talks about it and his wife didn't and man she could have been one of these victims too i mean when she's talking about her husband she's just like it's been a while i guess and she's just kind of like i just don't see how he was so stupid to believe all this stuff (laughs) but let's get into that i mean so may of 1984 a young girl like comes up on this car and she's like that's run off the road and she's like hey mister and there's a guy in there and he's been dead a while cyanide most deaf for sure dead from cyanide um people around him had said that he had made contact with someone involved in voodoo and someone had told him this weird, confusing, convoluted story about there being <laughs> three jars being buried on with their coins? property with coins and spirits were guarding these jars and they needed a lot of money so they could hire some guy to do a ritual to take the spirits away and make the spirits leave to scare the spirits away by making the jars visible. And basically what this was... And this guy's powers were only unleashed when he had thousands of dollars that you give this man. Yeah. <laughs> you have to pay him a hundred grand and he he'll give you this potion. He had to buy the potion for a hundred thou. They bought fucking cyanide, it's what it seems like. And Dan's right, it does sound like the plot of a fucking Leprechaun movie. Like Leprechaun 5, 
Like, there's buried <laughs> jars, and then all they do is, like, someone steals their money and they, they summon Leprechaun, and then he just murders everybody. <laughs> but, so, like... Cyanide so, and piss. <laughs> apparently this guy gathered about $100,000 to pay this Obia man and to be given this potion, and we don't know if this is what happened, but... It shows him on his property, like, drinking and stuff and going, like, <coughs> and then just, like, immediately, like, biting the dust. Is it just me, or does it seem like everyone that lives in this, uh, are on this island is fucking rich? St. Croix, yeah. <laughs> or there's, like, really good loan officers, or they have really nice relatives. I don't know. Yeah, thousands, thousands of dollars, These all these people just came up with. Yeah, it's crazy. Twenty five thousand, fifty four thousand, and a hundred thousand, right? Those three numbers. But the yeah, the wife was saying that she, um, she found out that he was borrowing all this money and taking out all these loans, and she was like super crazy and mad about it. And um, uh, yeah, apparently he drank the potion to drive the spirit away that was guarding the coins. Um, he was found dead in his car. No, mm-hmm. oh, he was the spirit. No, no, no. Wait, was he found dead in his car? Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, he was oh. found dead in his car. Yeah, I don't. Oh, the yeah, little he girl was. Found, the, the little, little girl, girl found him dead in his car. The hundred thousand dollars is nowhere to be seen, and his wife is like telling us about like the coins in the ground, and she's just she has like this look on her face of just like I just like, don't. Yeah, I, I, I didn't. He was so like, stupid. He was, he was, he was stupid. <laughs> yeah, like the wife literally says she thought he was smarter than that, <laughs> and of course this Obia man was never seen. Who knows? Yeah. So he was so, just like a scam murder man. Like yeah, so these, uh, this Caribbean cyanide seawater-saturated serial killer. <laughs> Whoa. He was never caught. And that's a lot of... C- that's a lot of C's. Yeah. Caribbean and cyanide <laughs> seawater-saturated <laughs> serial killer. Saturated. You like it? Yeah. <laughs> Cyanide seawater saturated serial killer. <laughs> Caribbean. Cyanide yeah, I mean, like, seawater saturated one. serial yeah. killer. <laughs> yeah, that's good. It rolls right off the tongue. <laughs> Not. Caribbean cyanide seaweed saturated serial killer. Like, like, like once you get started, you can finish, but you, you, it's really yeah. hard. You got to really get the ball rolling to start saying to say that. Try, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Caribbean cyanide sea saturated seawater seaweed saturated seaweed saturated serial killer seawater saturated <laughs> oh yeah seawater saturated uh, oh. I even Caribbean cyanide Carib- seawater cyanide sa- <laughs> <laughs> Caribbean seawater no Caribbean Fuck. cyanide seawater Caribbean cyanide seaweed saturated seawater <laughs> No, Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. There you go. It's of course it's the Caribbean cyanide seawater <laughs> saturated, saturated serial killer. Serial killer. That's who had to do it. He had that's, to do it. That's who did it, and that's who will never know. All those C's and S's and Caribbean cyanide seawater saturated serial killer. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. No updates. Is there anything on on the wiki that says anything more? Like they thought nah. it was maybe. Baron Samity, huh? The bad guy from James Bond, Live and Let Die. I am not familiar. Never solved. Never solved. Oh, uh, we got a treasure case. It's this, just a bunch uh, of old mysterious, mysterious LaCroix. 
<laughs> Voodoo Murders. <laughs> Saint Croix. I yeah. like Croix better. La Croix. Um, so we're gonna talk about treasure next, and it's cool, I guess. No. So in nah. the Arizona desert, there's some treasure. It's cowboy treasure. Skeleton Canyon, Arizona. Sounds scary because it's skeletons. Um, there's thieves and robbers from Mexico that smuggle stuff in through Arizona back in the day in in the Western times, and they buried um. Uh, well, apparently they buried a treasure of jewels and gold in the canyon somewhere. Some people call it bullshit. Some people um, believe it full-heartedly, of course. You know, there's it's one of those things, who knows if it's real. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, the we totally are were not. cold-hearted killers, man. You know, they, they shot mules in cold blood. Yeah. Thus botching their... Uh, their plan on taking the gold and running. Instead, they had to take the gold and bury it. Yeah, these yeah. guys live. There was in in nineteen in eighteen eighty one in a small Mexican village. These bandits looted a town and were bringing all this stuff to the states. Um, this uh, white dude infiltrated them. He spoke perfect Spanish. I didn't get his name, but he pretty much knew that they were planning on bringing all this stuff back. So he told his buddies. And they pl- and they were gonna ambush him, and this guy said that the treasure could have been anywhere from two million to worth two million to eight million dollars in in gold and jewels treasure. or whatever, in treasure. Um, so he came back. This white guy came back, told his cronies about these Mexicans that were gonna cross this stuff. So they shot them off their mounds, like Dan said, killed the fucking poor mules. So they had to bury all this shit. They divided some stuff up there and buried everything else. So two of these assholes were like, fuck you, we're friends, and they came back and took a bunch of the shit, and they hired um, some guy to help them move it. And then they killed that guy. (laughs) Yeah, they they call him a Mexican teamster they hired to, like, you know, take all their treasure. So they buried it in a new place, killed this poor guy. We'll pay you handsomely. (laughs) Yeah, we'll pay you handsomely, and then we'll kill you. With a bullet in your head. So, uh, apparently these guys were, like, freaked out after they hid the treasure and killed this guy. And they lived in a cave for a lot of time. Like, months and months and months. They would leave a, They would leave once a month to send these letters, apparently. They would find some guy, Western Union, and be like, send these letters. Pay us it through to San Antonio. Yeah. And apparently this guy would write letters to his sister in San Antonio and explain how they robbed these guys and told them where the, all the treasure was. Like an idiot. Yeah, and apparently this right. could also be complete and utter fucking bullshit. Yeah. Because one of these other historians is like, this guy would have been 19 years old, and he was like living in a cave with a bunch of treasure. I don't think he'd be that smart or that stupid. You know? Yeah. Is that that bottle cap Bobby guy? <laughs> oh, man. I, those glasses are fucking righteous. Yeah, that guy's a total 90s dork for sure. His name's Robert Palmquist, but I like calling him bottle cap Bobby. American bubbles. I can barely see his eyes. Beady eyes. Squints. But um, there's this other old guy who thinks that um, these letters did happen. Yeah, that guy's name is Fern Hamill, right? And they also think that, yeah, Fern also thinks that uh, there was like this cup found in one of these caves that was like engraved Maggie, and it was actually from the 1885 World's Fair. And, um, they believe that that proves that Maggie came and actually looked for the treasure for a while. That proves nothing. His sister came and she yeah. left her vase. Yeah. 
Oh, I left my my personalized Maggie souvenir cup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's funny. I'm going to let them know I was here. I'm going to leave my prize possession. It, but it's a, that's just like the... It's like the equivalent now of like a fucking... Like you go to some fucking like fair or like Six Flags and you get like a stupid cup that you spent on your like $12 drink and you're like, I'm keeping this fucking cup. Yeah. That's, that's it's exactly just like the 1885 equivalent of that because the World's Fair is the only thing they had. Free refills. I mean, that was a big deal. The World's Fair was a big deal, but still. So they were ambushed. Um, sorry. So these two guys, um, after they lived in the cave with their fucking treasure, blah, 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 they were ambushed. Um, one was killed and one was injured. And this guy was on his deathbed dying. And he was telling, he told his uncle where the treasure was. And apparently his uncle drew a map. No one's ever actually seen the map except for fucking Fern. Fern's full of shit though. I don't know. I don't know if I believe Fern. He's like, it's absolutely a hundred percent real, real. It's a known fact. Yeah. Well, Fern kind of fits him then because he has the intelligence of a houseplant. Um, <laughs> See what you did there? <laughs> Zing. So, I mean, this whole thing, like bottle cap glasses guy. Bottle cap um, Bobby. Bottle cap Bobby's like, this is like typical treasure hunting yarn, you know, like um, these people were killed before they could get their treasure and use it, but whatever. And, and then Fern says that, like, that he actually um, has these letters or he copied these letters that this guy wrote to his sister, but he won't show them to anybody. Mm-hmm. He's like, he wouldn't show them to Unsolved Mysteries. And then he also said that he had seen the map that this guy's uncle, that the guy on his deathbed drew for his uncle to tell him where the treasure was. He's like, I've seen it and I know it's there and I'm not going to, I'm not going to give up until I find it. He, he, he you know. He he didn't find shit. Well, obviously, you know, what was it? He's like, I'm not, I'm never gonna stop looking until I find it. And it's like that. Generally, that's what happens when you find it. There's no longer a need to keep looking for it. And I was like, hot take, Fern. Hot take. You're not gonna search after you found it. So uh, yeah, I mean, Fern was like. Yeah, I've seen these letters, but you guys aren't seeing them. And you know that map? I've seen the map, but you guys aren't seeing it. And I know it's there. It's like, dude, if you're so, like, greedy about the location of these things. Why are you even talking about it? Right? Why are you even talking about it? One, but, like, dude, you're, like, a tiny old man. You're not going to, like, fucking, you know, break into ground. And, they, you know, they mentioned something about uh, there being earthquake, like a bad earthquake you know, like 20 years after the, that would have been buried, which could have, like, you know, put it in a totally different place or, like, you know, underground or under rock or whatever. Oh, yeah, it would have made it 20 feet deeper. But at the end of the day, who gives a shit? Um, yeah. Fern's dead. He I, is. I mean, I, he is. He passed away in his sleep on my birthday, 2011. <laughs> he was 94 years old. He was 94 Damn, years old. Did he find the treasure? He did not. You know, I, I'm not going to lie, internet, people listening. I just, I assumed that Fern was dead. I didn't have any. I didn't have a fact. I'd be very surprised if Fern was still alive. <laughs> no, he's definitely he's 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 totally dead. But the crazy thing is, is he just died seven years ago. So yeah, that's crazy. He looked old as shit in 1991. Yeah, I, I hate to see him how he looked when he died. <laughs> <laughs> what do we have next? What's our next one? 
Oh, this one's a real scorcher, mate. This just, one's real nasty. This one's this one's a real nasty piece of work. <laughs> oh no! This case is a real, real nasty piece of work. Isn't that what one of the ladies says about the the last lady? At least she doesn't oh, call yeah. her blarmy. Oh, she, she was, was absolutely blarmy. Blarmy. She was. Oh, she must have been blarmy. <laughs> she was absolutely blarmy. All right, this one's wanted. Got to do it. Wanted. This one's uh, a wanted case. Um, March 22nd of 1990 in Fayetteville, North Carolina. This poor girl had some terrible shit happen to her. Um, two cops are on the road. They're hanging out on the highway. We got Mr. Officer Ron Knight and Chris Dew. And um, they're stopped to compare their notes, having a little conversation. When they see a lady walk out of the woods who appeared to be injured, um, the guy explained that um, she had blood on her shoulders and she was coming towards them. Um, they immediately called the ambulance. That's got to be a scary scene for a police officer, right? Oh, that's fucking scary, dude. Especially what happened to her. So this girl was shot in the face once with a 12-gauge double-barrel shotgun. Yeah, jeez. Her whole left jaw was shattered. I can't even imagine what that would be or look like. Um, but she was unable to speak. Um, it took them about 10 hours later where she would be able to write her mother's name and telephone number so they could get in contact. So she was. Um, so it turns out this girl was from Winston-Salem, North Carolina, which would be about 120 miles away from Fayetteville. Detective Ken Bishop was the detective from Salem. And he was, he talks to us and let's, and you know, there's a reenactment of the doctor kind of letting him know how severe the injuries, injuries are going to be and how it's going to be difficult for them to yeah. have their interview. That's pretty jarring, right? Like kind of given like that these cops have probably seen some stuff and you're like, Hey, you know, this girl, she doesn't look her best. Just warning you. Yeah. He did say it was probably the most severe injuries he'd ever seen. Um, she was able to give them enough information and write, you know, on a pad of paper, I guess, um, to where they could get a composite sketch and we'll post that. It's creepy as fuck. Um, it's a classic, like eerie composite sketch because like, it doesn't look totally human. Mm -hmm. Um, it's weird. So now we'll talk about the day of the crime and kind of what led up to it on March 22nd of 1990 in the morning, she had made a cash withdrawal. And we're talking, they don't give the girl's name. They call her Debbie in the episode. Yeah, Debbie, not Debbie. But you guys know what I'm talking about. She, she, Debbie, not Debbie is the victim. So she makes a, cath a pretty large cash withdrawal at 9.40 a.m. in the morning. Um, an African-American guy jumps in the car and makes her drive to a liquor store. Um, I guess he's got, he's got a gun pointed at her. This was at 9 a.m.? Yeah. Makes her drive to a liquor store. Likes to start um, early. Yeah, it's f yeah, but so this guy doesn't seem like a fun drunk. <laughs> no. So so what he does is he the he they he makes her go to the liquor store. He takes the key out of the car. He actually threatens to murder everybody in the liquor store if she goes or leaves or tells anybody. He buys a bottle of liquor and goes back into the car, and basically um, drives the hundred twenty miles. Jeez, that's terrifying. Um, to Fayetteville. So for four hours, this guy's threatening her life 
as he's getting fucking plastered drunk. <laughs> Dude, this is so and, scary. And, and he's like bragging about how he murdered somebody in New York City or New York State. He just says New York. And he's just saying they're getting fucking wasted. Like, oh, it's that's fucking wretched. Terrifying. But it's crazy to me, this next part. I was going to say, like, it. I don't know, like, uh, this is probably not truly accurate, but uh, in the reenactment, they show him get in and he never buckles up and... If I was her, I would have fucking, like, while he was taking a swig, just ran my car straight into a wall. Yeah. Just like, fuck this asshole. Yep. So she says it's getting worse the more he's getting drunk. So out three miles outside of Fayetteville, she's um, forced to pull over. She's forced out of the car. And then this scary reenactment uh, takes place. Like, uh, Robert Sack even warns the viewers and it's very like David Lynch, like slow motion, and like they even like lower his voice, or he's like, oh yeah, yelling at her. Like, it's super, pretty, like, it's almost pretty like scary. Dream Diane. sequence horror. Yeah. So the the cop is driving by, and he's the he's the one who found her, but he notices this gray station wagon just sitting there, and he's about to turn around and look at it when someone speeds down the street. So he goes and uh, gives that guy a ticket. Um, and so that quota. So they're thinking that that, which isn't a real thing, which isn't a real thing. Um, Ducky was telling us he asked his sister. That's not a thing. Luis, not Ducky. They say that they say it's not a real thing, but it's, they call it something else. It's a real thing. No, it's, it's not. No, she was saying that like some cops never like, don't give any, like barely give tickets to anybody. And some cops just give a shit ton of tickets. Hmm. I don't know. Like, like. It makes no – think about it. Like we were talking about it. It makes no fucking sense that you have to arrest – you have to give a certain amount of tickets a month. Like what kind of shit is that? Yeah, like, that's oh, they, so they get money. No, it's dumb. It's like sales. It's like – no, dude. That's fucking stupid. You got to hand out this many credit cards, don't you know? Yeah, it's, it makes no sense. It's like a sales quota. Like it's the dumbest fucking You got to catch all these bad guys. That To me, that myth has been busted. <laughs> God damn it. So right around the time when he forces the girl out of the car, the, um, the cop is driving down the street, and um, I guess this is when they're already in the woods because he notices the empty gray station wagon, and um, he's going to go check. He's going to turn around and go check, and then he sees someone speeding down the street. So he turns around and goes off after that guy and speeds down the street to get to catch him. And um, so they're thinking that it might have been the same time that – he was beating and sexually assaulting her. And then so he takes her in the woods and beats her, sexually assaults her, and then leaves her for dead. He shoots her in the face and just takes off. He abandons her station wagon about 200 miles away. And when they investigated the crime scene, they found a dark blue jacket and some brown gloves. And she's definitely – and she confirmed that those were – that those belonged to the guy that assaulted her. Um, and the cops think that he was possibly a mechanic because the glove smelled of petroleum, which I guess is just like gas and mechanical things. I don't know. So they think the guy was about 5'10", 150, 160 pounds, mid-30s, and um, the car was abandoned near Florida, but he could be anywhere. And they never found him. Yeah, that's creepy. And then they talk a little bit about how she struggled to, you know, Come to terms with her appearance after that attack. She was shot in the face. And, um, you know, that she has stuff to live for. And 
It's real sad, really sad. It's not a terribly unhappy ending, though, to be honest. Um, there was a guy named Ernest Ray Cherry who was actually convicted of attacking and raping another woman in North Carolina in 1992, so after this. And he actually matched the, the description pretty well of Debbie's attacker. There was a bunch of similarities, actually, to this victim and uh, Debbie, not Debbie's attack. Um, Cherry had also abducted this victim from the same city that Debbie was abducted from. And Cherry is currently still serving a life sentence for the rape and attempted murder of that other victim that was after. So, however, this he's never been, like... Officially charged. Yeah, he's never been officially charged, but... They suspect he did it. I don't know. It's a good. Uh, it's a good guess. They. They. Yeah. I wonder if they still have all that stuff because now they definitely could do forensic testing and find out who the hell did this. But apparently, her story was also on an episode of I Survived. Did they like give her a name or anything? Uh, I'm trying to figure that out right now. Uh, her name is Debbie. Not Debbie. No, I looked it up. I actually had it earlier. Her her real name is Phoebe Harrison Cooper. Oh. And she was 43 at the time of the attack. What? Yeah. I found it on a... Uh, on Phoebe one, what? One of the sitcoms online. Phoebe Harrison Cooper. Oh, I found a picture of her. Did you, see, did you find the picture of her? Uh-uh. Oh, yeah, that is the one with the other girl? Yeah. Let me see. I yeah. Can... yeah, 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 I can see it. Damn. Yeah, so her real name is Phoebe Harrison Cooper. She's still alive? Yeah, she's still alive. Apparently she still lives in Salem, North Carolina. She's 71 years old. She's still alive. Good for her. What about Cherry? Is he still, He's still alive too, right? Uh, I'm, that I'm not sure. And Ernest Ray Cherry, according to Unsolved Mysteries, is still serving a life sentence for the murder of this other person. With a little bit of Googling, you can actually find a picture of her. Crazy. I wonder where that, uh, I, sur- I wonder what episode of I Survived she was on. I used to watch that show. It was pretty good. So our last case is a bit of a British mystery. A British mystery. A British mystery. I'll get the scissors. Um, this is a Lost Heirs, and usually these kind of suck. And we haven't had a Lost Loves in a while. Thanks, guys. <laughs> um, next, next episode. We don't like those that much. Um, yeah. but we're going to be talking about Dorothea Allen. In 1990, in Sutton Underbrace, England, that's a whole place, Sutton Underbrace. It's a quaint little, beautiful town in England, Sutton Underbrace. And it's not Dorothy, it's Dorothea. Dorothea. Dorothea Allen, yes, of Sutton Underbrace. She um, was a mysterious rich lady, and on this day in 1990, she was laid to rest. There was only five people in attendance at Miss Dor- at at Miss Dorothea's funeral, and she was she was said to be an extravagantly elegant woman, once dancing with Fred Astaire himself and having dinner with Gary Cooper. No <laughs> you gotta way. do the you gotta do the oh the, the move. Really- a- aristocrat laugh. <laughs> the aristocratic. No. Oh, 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 my my son befriended a homeless man and now he's missing. Oh, jeez. Oh, golly. <laughs> I, I reverted back to me. <laughs> Can you believe it? He asked to give me a kiss. 
<laughs> he had the nerve of to all say things, the mother. nerve of this <laughs> fucking old old <laughs> James. <laughs> <laughs> see the see the tragedy of old James for his name is Tony. To <laughs> yeah, his name is not old James. He wasn't even old. Um. So yes, um, she had danced with Fred Astaire, dinner with Gary Cooper, and she was very, very, very famous. She um, had thousands of pairs of shoes and high heels and yeah, oh. elegant jewels and and minks and shoes and clothes and she had Louis Vuittons and beauty salons. Um, and she cut out faces on her pictures. Yeah. <laughs> That's how she she'd unfriended like, I wanna see them. What I'd look at, I want to see what I'd look like in this outfit. And she'd cut her face. No, that's not No, right. that's how she unfriended okay. all of her friends. Yeah. Back then, so, she used to cut their, pic- their faces out of her pictures. So she was considered to be a great beauty. And um, she was devoted to her husband, um, Robert. And he actually died in about 1965. He... Uh, he was older than her, and they were a childless couple. They didn't have any kids. People yeah. would talk about people would talk about them. They thought they were weird. They had a quirky mystique. Some people would say. Some people would, you know, got a kick out of it. And other people would say that she was a shrew, and she was shitty to her employee to her employees, and that she was just she was just a money hoarder. She would make them walk backwards. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she would make them walk backwards out of her office, apparently, which is fucking bullshit. Um, that's a that's a power move right there. Excuse me, come into my office, Dan. See this right here? You should have done this 12. You did 11. Now walk your ass backwards and go fix it. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Now walk your ass backwards out of this office. How dare did you? I, did, did I say you could address me? The British government, like... As soon as she died, they searched her house to see, like, who she was related to, find some heirs. This is when shit gets a little spooky and weird. There was, like, it it seemed like she'd gone, like, out of her way to make sure nobody fucking knew where she came from. um, Or where all this money would go to. Um, She had a bunch of money left to nobody, pretty much. Her passport had pages torn out of it, like, like, where she was born and her birth date and stuff like that. Um, and like, they said there was like a dressing room stashed with clothes and shoes and like shit tons of clothes and shoes, I guess. I don't know. She was a hoarder, rich hoarder. Um, photographs, photograph albums, lots of albums with dust. I don't think you can call women rich whores, David. (laughs) A hoarder. A hoarder. Okay. (laughs) She was a rich whore. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Moving on. (laughs) So they found photo albums um, that were like ripped up and cut, like 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 they were what, what do you say mutilated pictures? Like they cut the heads off of them and took people out of them, and some some play, pages were just plain empty, like there had been pictures taken out of she them. She was uh, she was working on her cutout letter ransom mm-hmm. um, period in uh, her artwork, or just a, a photo collage, like the guy from Wormwood. Just like I just like to make collages, um, photo collage. It helps me helps wait, me deal with my emotion. Yeah, speaking of photos, like she had a bunch of pictures of her and the Queen Mary. Oh, but th- those were the pictures that like she couldn't avoid being taken. Like yeah. they didn't like having pictures taken of themselves. Yeah, um, yeah. So her private past was pretty much shrouded in mystery, 
and the how they got their fame and fortune was from making a thing that they probably wouldn't make any money making nowadays. <laughs> which which was corsets. They made corsets. Yeah, nobody wears those. Actually, I think they would still sell today. Like, you know, you put a pink label on it and sell it at Victoria's Secret and yeah. sell it for hotcakes. Sell it for hotcakes? Hot like, cakes. here, if I give you this, give me some pancakes. Two hotcakes, uh, two hotcakes, a corset. Um, and her thing, like, she she didn't just make corsets, right? She, like, made them. Pretty. Yeah, she, was, she revolutionized them by sewing on satin and lace and. Mm. dangly bits to make them more attractive little frills and little naughty nasty bits for the men but she was known for being like a perfectionist like she scolded she was she once scolded a a, a seamstress for uh not doing 12 stitches per inch like literally sat there and was like this is 11 stitches yeah you fix it every inch needs to be 12 stitches and then, like, every every Christmas, they would hold a Christmas party for their highest, like, efficient employees. Yeah. And if they were, like, super lucky, they got to, like, wait in, like, a creepy line to, like, address them. And she sat on, like, a lead gold-painted chair that, yeah, that was, was, like, weird. supposed to be her throne. Like, what? Yeah, yeah. Like one of the ladies was like, "It was like it was like they were royalty." <laughs> Kiss <Weird>. my hand. <laughs> yeah, I did not drink the Kool Aid. <laughs> and not, not everybody at the party was like able to like say hi to them, and then not everybody that was employed was even like invited to the party. Come give Dorothy a kiss. Um, yeah, come come pay your respects. Bow and move along. Don't say more than three words. Walk say your hello, back. goodbye. Hello, goodbye, and then walk backwards out that And walk middle. backwards <laughs> away from me. I don't want to see the backside of you. I don't want to see where your shame comes out. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, they, so they, like Eli was saying, there was pictures of them on the Queen Mary because... They would cruise in fucking elegance. Yeah, and and those are some of the rare pictures of the pictures of them on the Queen Mary. Because some Titanic shit. Because I guess sh- um, ships are like they are now. Like you, you hang out on a cruise ship, you're gonna get your picture taken fifty times, whether you buy it or not. Like they're gonna take your picture. So I guess it was still like that back then. And uh, th- apparently they would go hard, and everybody like knew the fuck they were. Mm-hmm. So in 1965. That's when the husband dies. He he had a he had a long illness. That's pretty much as far as they go into it. Um, and she was unable to cope with his death. She just she just thought the world of old Robert was that his name? Yeah, that's his name. You got it uh, right. <laughs> apparently, some people, some of her friends would say that she would actually light his cigars and just kind of keep them burning, just to have that scent. Wonder what scent would keep burning after I die? Just like <laughs> weed and weed. And farts. Weed and farts. Weed and refried beans. And Weed shame. and refried beans. And my shame, the farts. <laughs> <laughs> so she would she would become kind of le- more and more reclusive over the years, and she was kind of slipping as the strong, crazy, insane businesswoman that she once was, to the point where the American parent company uh, forced her out and bought the company. So, I mean, she still had a lot of money, but she wasn't working. And um, 
she actually had a Rolls an accident in her Rolls Royce uh, a little bit after that, and after at that time after that she apparently never left her house again, and her health began to fail um, over the years, over the decades, and she became obsessed apparently with alienating. Sorry, she became obsessed with eliminating all traces of her past, just like. Like we said, like cutting the pictures out and fucking ripping up her passport and shit like that. Yeah, that's really weird. Yeah, her, apparently her lawyer said that um, she cut up all the pictures of her and her husband and destroyed any record of where she was born and stuff like that. And January 4th of 1990, she dies in bed after being a 20-year recluse and after refusing all that time to make a will. Apparently some people say that she had told them that like, oh, People had plenty of money that they didn't need any anything from her will. But then they're like, but then all she must have known that all the money would go to the government. Like, why would you want to leave all your money to the government? And so, you know, that's when people started coming up with rumors and like, you know, who was she really? Like, was she trying to hide something? Because it just doesn't add up. So what was it? Was she trying to hide something? Was she a Soviet spy? This lady kind of makes mention of, like, maybe if she didn't leave a will, nobody would ever look into it. But, of course, everybody did. They were wondering what the hell was going on. Um, There was no records of, like, where she was born or even her maiden name. They found a smallpox document um, that said the claim that she was born January 21st of 1901 and that her last name was Farquhar. And um, that was, like, a bit of a clue. And apparently she had told some of her friends that her last name was Farquharson. Her name was Dorothea Farquharson. And she was uh, born in Scotland. And they looked for records and they couldn't find anybody with that last name in the whole country of England. Hmm. With, that was born around that time with that last name. So nope, yes. nope, nope. So that was fake too. Yep. Um, so some some of the rumors were, you know, one guy kind of thinks that maybe she was from a what they call humble background, but they mean she was poor. She would grew up poor, and that she didn't want anybody to know that she wasn't like she didn't come from fancy, you know, from a fancy she family. Wasn't, and stuff. She wasn't well to do. There's another weird rumor that she and her sister were maybe German and they had escaped during maybe uh, the First World War, which is what I assume they're referring to. And then there was also another rumor that they thought maybe they were brother and sister, right? Yeah, yeah. Thank you, baby. And uh, oh, you're nasty. And 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 I like the way that the English guy lets us know, lets us American audience know that the that um, that incest is illegal. It's yeah. Like, thanks. <laughs> They're like, oh yes, and that's that's illegal here. We swear. <laughs> <laughs> so the theory that the one lady has, which <laughs> when we looked it up, proves to be pretty true, closer to the truth is. She thinks that maybe um, in the 20s she met Robert Allen in the north of England and he was maybe married with kids and that he had left his wife and child behind and just, you know, lived with Dorothea and she just kind of took the name Allen without them ever actually getting married. And they would have kind of pretended to be married and started their business and grown old and she would be scared that, uh, you know, somebody would find out she was poor and that would be bad. I don't know. It's weird. Or that she wasn't actually married to him, I guess, she'd be more scared of. So they, they found out through records that she was married, maybe in Connecticut, and they assume it was maybe to Robert Allen. And then this is where the theory that they were brother and sister uh, came about. Um, but they could never actually prove that. 
And, you know, if they were brother and sister and they had run this business, they'd actually want to keep quiet about that. But it's like, why would that be made up? Um, rumors with their employees said that they had always slept in different rooms or different beds. I don't know what they meant. They slept separately. But there's no way to prove this. Looking through the will and where all this money would go, they found that Robert's background was pretty much just as mysterious as Dorothea's. And, you know, Robert Stack wants to know, is there a creepy dark secret that they covered up? Like, what what's going on? What is Illuminati. it? Um, were they obsessed with wealth and they kept all the shit together? Did they, were they Illuminati? Did they, uh, were they serial killers? Um, we don't know. Just kidding. We do. This one actually has an ending. Really? Yeah, it does. Let's go with what Unsolved tells us in their little brief. Hey guys. Um, basically in 1996, a wartime pilot said that he recognized her as his, uh, as his high school sweetheart, and her name is Dara Brahmer. and um, th- they were able to get, um, they were able to split the three million dollars between seventy relatives that were closest to her mom and dad, and they all got around forty thousand dollars each. But that's not exactly where the story ends, because there's more to it. Actually, she was born in England. To a steel worker, so she was actually lower income. She had met Robert, and he was married. And Robert's wife would not give this uh, guy a divorce, so they took off and moved somewhere else to, you know, Sutton Braze or whatever it was called. Sorry, hmm. um, they moved there, started their business. She was very good at what she did, and they grew old and lived together happily, made their money. And then, of course, in her older years, she maybe just didn't want anybody to ever find out the truth or kind of freaked out about, you know, them not actually being married. But I don't know. It's a different story, I feel like. Yeah. It's really, it's, she kind of maybe went insane at the end a little trying to cover this up. Him and his original wife never got a divorce. Yeah, that's what they're saying. She wouldn't give him a divorce is kind of like the way I interpreted what I read. She wouldn't yeah. agree to it, so they just kind of ran away, which is a lot better than what the lady says. The lady's like, he had a bunch of kids. They took off. Might be better that way. I don't know what the yeah. rules were back then, but nowadays, it's cheaper to keep her. It, <laughs> <laughs> I was just crazy how spot on that lady was, the kind of bigger lady who was telling the story. Um, I was <laughs> like, like, you know looking it up, I was like, damn, that's, she that's was pretty, pretty much on. right. Yeah. <laughs> I, that was kind of a cool little English mystery. Um, the first and middle were very interesting. Um, but yeah, good stuff. We'll be back next week. Um, what's going yeah. on next week, Eli? Yeah, next week, we're talking about a um, man who was presumed dead. Oh, a man, Eli? A, a man, Jesus I say. kind of Christ. man. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about a guy. Who was in the military, presumed dead, but then uh, new evidence comes to light that he possibly could be a prisoner of war. Um, we're also, uh, yeah, but I don't know how accurate that is. We're also going to be talking about the Vancouver Lights. Ooh, aliens. Yeah, aliens, possible, um, uh, yeah, possible weird stuff happening in the sky. And then we're also going to be talking about another uh, sweetheart swindler, Rico Suave type. Ooh, those are always fun. Yeah, they are fun. Even though, like, 
it's hard to just not make fun of these poor sappy old middle-aged ladies who just get screwed over yeah um but yeah that'll be fun (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh thanks for hanging out with us thanks for listening to last week we had a good time oh we had a blast (laughs) with bob ruff justice and chris that was a good time yeah but yeah, we'll be back next week for season three, episode 13. Like always, we're the Stack Pack on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, I'm at Davey Howe, D-A-V-Y-H-O-W. Road underscore Dan. And Big Bad Vinyl Dad. And rate and review us, guys. If you like what you hear, give us a holler. Tell your friends. Retweet us. Follow us on Instagram. Like David said, we have a lot of fun on there. Uh, okay, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. For, for every mystery, there's someone somewhere who knows the truth. Perhaps that someone is listening. And perhaps that someone is you. Happy Halloween! Get spooky, <laughs> folks. Happy Halloween! Trick or treat. Smell my feet. Trick or treat, motherfuckers! <laughs>